Welcome to Fireside Chat, a short interlude with weekly features, where I, Yehoshua Plukas, will be showcasing and interviewing prominent D&D creators. This week, we are talking to Midlife Dices, a language arts teacher with over 20 years of experience and the host of It's About DM Time show on Twitch, about improving D&D narration and descriptive language. What is the role of narration in a TTRPG session? Why does it matter? Whether you are the dungeon master, game master, or a player, the role of narration is to put your ideas into the other people's heads. You want them to see what you see and feel what you want them to feel in regards to a setting, a scene, a character, even an action for in combat, and definitely something with the villain you want them to come across in a certain way. It's important, though, that we don't just thrust this all on the DM or the GM, but as players, too, everybody has a role to play when it comes to making this feel like we're in a movie making it feel like we're in something, you know, more than just a story that we're listening to and then moving on, but we get to interact. Narration is the bridge between your thoughts and everyone else's. It helps to add emotional weight to what's going on. We're playing games that involve people portraying multidimensional characters. And when we narrate, in such a way that comes across as flat and boring, then characters are going to have a hard time rising up beyond that. And so it enhances and encourages role-playing because they will have a bit more gravitas to what's going on around them. They will get to feel it and hopefully rise to the occasion of so how would your character feel in this situation? That would be the ideal. How can you make narration a more visual experience? What about the other four senses? A big part of it is it comes down to vocabulary. If we end up using words that are repetitive, vague, and general, then we're having a hard time getting our thoughts into their heads. So instead, we have to try and use words that are varied and clear and specific. Phrases that we hear all the time in, let's say, a D&D game would be, I attack, or I cast a spell, or I hit, or you miss, or something like that. And we need to vary those words up so that we create a visual. Instead of, I cast magic missile, it's, you know, I thrust my two palms out forward ahead of me. And from them, bolts of energy burst out toward the target. I could have even gone so far as, like, what kind of sound the magic missile made? What color was it? Was there a texture to it? Was there some kind of effect or aura? Get into those other senses. You know, swing your sword. If I just say I hit with my sword, 
every person at the table is going to have a different visual of how that's done. But if I say, like, I reach back behind my shoulder with two hands on the hilt, and in a wide arc, I sweep my sword at the legs of the ogre. Well, now we have a much better idea of what's going on. We all get to see the same thing. And then when it comes to the other four senses, you know, we tend to think of those more as a, a setting thing. You know, what do you hear when you enter the swamp? Well, you hear bugs and you hear the water dripping from the trees. And what do you smell? Well, the air is stagnant and musty. And so we are able to draw those a little bit more, depending on the situation that you are in. Uh, you can kind of grasp at those different senses. How can dungeon masters use different types of words and sentence structure to create a different type of narrative experience? Changing sentence structure is a big part of it. When we learn how to write sentences when we are kids, it's, you know, I go. So it's noun, verb. That's at its most basic, right? And then we learn, I go to the store. Well, it's still noun, verb. And then, you know, and they're, they're noun eventually. But when we start using more interesting verbs, number one, go once again, everybody's mind can see a different go. So instead, we try and use words like I slither or I hop, I lunge. And so those have visual ideas attached to them that we want to be able to use. And then when we add on top of that some interesting adverbs, like words that affect the verb. So I stealthily slither. Now we get a really good idea of what that looks like. Once we have those words, if we change the structure instead of I stealthily slither into the cave, now what if I start with stealthily slithering, I enter the cave. Now what I've done is I've put a little bit of emphasis on the verb and the adverb. It brought to the forefront of the sentence, which allows it to take over the visual and the feeling that we get. And so sentence structure is a huge part of it, how we can manipulate that a little bit. And it just comes with time by trying it out and realizing, yeah, not every sentence needs to start with you do this or I do this. But instead, we can start with the verb or the adverb. It forces us to create the sentence in a slightly different way. How do narrative pacing, intonation, and emphasis work? Yeah, narrative pacing is a really fun one. You know, quick, choppy sentences are going to feel urgent. You're going to feel the action of that. It's kind of like a movie scene. When you have the action scene in a movie, the camera angles and the cuts are quick, and the camera's moving all over the place from perspective to a different perspective. That's sort of what quick, choppy sentences do. They add to that sense of urgency and panic. Whereas slow, drawn-out descriptions may sound peaceful or ominous, depending on 
what kind of intonation you were using. That definitely helps to define that. Intonation, when I would teach grade five uh, language arts, talk about intonation as the roller coaster ride of narration, how your pitch goes up when you ask a question. If I'm speaking slowly, the intonation can affect, is this a peaceful scene that we've entered? Is this something to be scared of? Emphasis is how we choose to punch certain words or phrases, kind of like how Captain Kirk would speak. By putting that key idea at the end of a phrase, maybe we pause beforehand, then our audience feels the weight of that word. If we just talk fast, monotonously, etc., kind of like eating a whole plate of food without even chewing. As narrators, we want to put something on the fork of our listener. We want them to chew it and swallow it and understand it and then be able to move on. Narrative pacing, intonation, emphasis definitely helps with that. But there are times where we do want to rush through things and so it's a bit about picking and choosing what will work for the scene. When the players are entering a new area, how do you put all of these pieces together into a sensory engaging narrative description? The key to this is three words. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell is probably the most common phrase used in teaching kids how to write. We want to show the audience, let's say, an emotion or a scene that they're in without telling them, here's where you are. And the power behind that is that they then get to add on their own layer of, and how do I feel about this? That feeling will come a lot easier when they've been given enough information. A couple ways to do this. Number one is to use all five senses. So you've approached an ancient door. Well, how can I make this clear to you without telling you it's an ancient door? So I could describe that it's cracked and dusty and gritty. There's gold inlay that's grimy. When you touch it, it's cold to the touch. There's bones scatter uh, around the door. When you push it, it lets out an enormous squeal as the rusty hinges squeak for the first time in centuries. So I can show you all those things without ever using the word ancient. And you as the audience would see that door and you feel it, you hear it. I don't recommend tasting the door. Uh, that might result in a constitution thing throw or something. And so the five senses is a huge part of that. The other thing that I found really helpful is to break this scene into its parts. Almost like you're taking a landscape picture and cutting out the different pieces of it. So I have a forest here of the sky, of the moon, I have a pond and you know hills in the background well if i separate those things from each other 
and I get to describe what makes each of them unique and interesting, then I'm providing all these hooks to my players, and then they can put it all together in such a way that works for their character. That one character, I'm interested in the forest because of the way that you described it. Whereas another character might be curious about the pond. The idea being that we don't need to write a full paragraph for each of these things. If we're just aware of the parts of it, then it allows the players to kind of figure out what is important to them. That's the ideal, is that I'm going to put ideas into your head, but I'm not going to tell you what's important to you. I'm not going to tell you how you feel. Because this is a role-playing game, you should be able to figure those things out. Where can people find you and your work? On Twitter, I'm at MidlifeDices, and that's where I am most everywhere. I run a show on Twitch every week called It's About DM Time, where Dungeon Masters get a chance to chat with each other about DM issues and topics. I have the Raccoon Tours Lexicon, Expanded Edition is on DMs Guild. It is a collection of 3,000 plus words for helping enhance your narration, making it more immersive and varied, covering everything from combat spells, monsters, environments, and weather, etc. I also have a blog on my Ko-Fi where I talk about the art of narration, and I put 20 years of teaching language arts into the things that apply to TTRPGs. 